2: You get in the truth booth, and the truth booth has, like, all these lasers, and the lasers scan your body, and then mm. on the screen, I mean, it'll say, how how like, yeah. <laughs> how else the would a know yeah. The lasers work? The lasers know whether you're a perfect match. Yeah. And then yeah. on the screen, it'll say, like, match or no match. Well, and it's so- like
0: when you go on a Tinder date, and then you're like, okay, we've reached the end. Let's get, go yeah. in a full body scan. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on the Bachelor and Bachelor adjacent shows.
1: Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon.
2: Hey,
0: everyone. We're here with a little surprise bonus episode from the world of reality dating TV shows. Today, we're going to talk about MTV's Are You the One, a bit of a departure from the Bachelor franchise. Oh, but it's so good. So much to talk about. And our
1: guest, Kate Reese, uh, senior features editor at Vice, is not only a fan of the show, uh, she also just published a feature exploring this underappreciated gem from every every angle. Kate, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank
2: you for having me.
1: It's such a pleasure. and are so excited. Yeah. <laughs> this been, is a real treat. <laughs> I've been wanting to talk about Are You the One for a while, so I'm really happy to have a good reason to yeah. like, dig into it.
2: Yeah, it's one of those shows that, um, as I say in the piece, it's not really necessarily like a water cooler show, the way The Bachelor is, just because it hasn't been on as long, it doesn't have many, as many spinoffs, um, and The Bachelor obviously like sort of, dominated the market very early. And then I think once you get that market share, it's hard to get in there. Um, but everyone I know who has started watching it or who I've talked to about it is like, oh my God. (laughs) They like love it.
0: For our listeners who haven't seen it, can you just kind of give a little rundown on like what the structure is?
2: Yeah. So um one of the exciting things about the show is that it is extremely confusing. (laughs) So uh whereas like I think you can probably watch one episode of The Bachelor and like pretty Simply get it. You can do that with Are You the One, but um, it you realize you get it, and you're still like, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> um, so the premise is it's a house dating show, so you know, kind of like the real world, um, except everyone's dating. And uh, most seasons, except for the one that is um, the eighth season, the newest season, uh, are between ten and eleven pairs. And so essentially, what happens: uh, ten women. 10 men or 11 women, 11 men. And essentially what happens is before the show, the producers, matchmakers, some sort of amorphous, never quite explained group of people um, decide how to pair up all those people. Experts. Yes, experts. (laughs) And so everyone has a perfect match, quote unquote, going into the house. And so their job in the house is to figure out who their perfect match is and if everyone figures out who their perfect match is, they find love, and then they also all win a million dollars that they split as a group. I mean, the dream. Mm-hmm. Love and money. Totally, yeah. totally. Um, the mechanisms for getting there are a little more complicated <laughs> than I <laughs> probably want to outline because they'll take, like, a long time. But essentially, they have, like, two main ways that you can figure it out. Um, you can – every episode you can go into what's called the truth booth. I love the truth the, booth. Yeah, which is where um, you and the chosen person, which, you know, you've chosen through, depending on the season, a, a number of different ways. Sometimes it's like road rules, challenges. The house then votes on those couples. It, it Again, it's a lot of steps. <laughs> um you get in the truth booth, and the truth booth has, like, all these lasers, and the lasers scan your body. And then mm. on the screen, I mean, it'll say, how how like, yeah. how else the would, lasers would know. Work? Yeah. the lasers they know? The lasers know matches. whether you're a perfect match. Yeah. And yeah. then yeah. on the screen, it'll say, like, match or no match. Well, it's and like so,
0: when you go on a Tinder date, and then you're like, okay, we've reached the end. Let's get, go yeah. in full body scan. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Was this it?
2: Yeah. Um, and then at the end of every episode, or most episodes, like The Bachelor, there's a match-up ceremony. So um that means that everyone goes up and, and says, This is my perfect match, this is who I think my perfect match is and they all put their hands on iPads and lock up. in. Yeah. And it's very scientific. Um, <laughs> it's very scientific. <laughs> and um then uh, the number the beams of light shoot into the air and the number <laughs> <laughs> saying this out loud makes it sound so and the number of beams of light are the number of couples there that are perfect matches and so essentially like for those of you um math whizzes the game uses factorial so 10 factorial 11 factorial this season um, it'll be a little more complicated as we'll probably get into because mm-hmm. um, of the season's twist but um It just means that, like, with every new person, there are, you know, tens of thousands of more options for who they could be with. But every time you figure out a match, that number decreases, like, very rapidly. Um, So the game is, like, a combination of, uh, like, game theory but then also, like, competition but then also, like, the regular sort of, like – it's a bunch of, you know, sort of Bachelor in Paradise style, like – or Love Island, a bunch of people – in a house like very horny and trying to have sex with each other. <laughs> and also
0: often doesn't it come up that someone might be into someone who isn't their perfect yes, match. Yeah. That is that is a very common that. trope. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's always mean, it's a, a good way to create drama.
1: I, I I love the way this show has it has this tension between like the strategy, the game theory of it, and then the love. And they often go in saying like, we have to follow our hearts, guys, or we're not gonna find are perfect matches and they just keep saying that and I'm like I don't know if the evidence actually really bears (laughs) that out.
2: Yeah there's a real mix and you see this sort of waffle back and forth throughout the seasons where um, you know people who have really found themselves super attracted to someone or multiple someones um, end up you know creating most of the drama because then there's other parts of the house that like had to give up their person because they're not a perfect match or who haven't found them and are like we need to you know play by the game and uh, so there's a lot of stuff happening in it that um I find extremely compelling for multiple <laughs> reasons.
1: <laughs> Did you start watching, like when the show first? No premiered?
2: no, so yeah, so this will be the eighth season. It's been on for I want to say five years. Um, and I just started watching a couple years ago. like a friend of a friend recommended it. um. And I was, like, home one night with a couple friends, and we were, like—it was, like, winter and cold, and someone was like, oh, we should try this. And I think—I uh, want to say I think it was the fifth season or the sixth season had just—was, like, airing. So they were all streaming, and we watched one episode, and I was like, oh, my God. This has, like, totally blown my mind.
0: It's super addictive. The first time I ever saw Are You the One was over, like, the holidays a few years ago, and I was back— in Maryland and went to my friend's house it might have even been like Christmas Day and so it was like a bunch of Jews. And <laughs> we um put on one episode of maybe like the second or third season and ended up sitting there and watching the entire yeah. season in one sitting. Yeah. <laughs> It's so addictive.
1: I love how it also like it has this internal culture the way The Bachelor does, where people start referring to each other in these very coded ways, like "Oh, we're a beam." Like mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. that means nothing outside of our You the One world, yeah. but like on or
2: the if show, you said, like he's my perfect match. Someone will be like, "Hmm, yeah, like, okay." <laughs>
0: Oh, that's so cute, sweetie. (laughs) Right. Also, the term perfect match just sounds so earnest and like deeply romantic. And that's not exactly the vibe of Are You
2: the One? No. I mean, so what I write about and um, what I kind of dove into while reporting this um, was I think what it does that I find really compelling is – it has a real self-awareness about what it is and what it is not. So it knows that this is both a, a very young demo, like I think the oldest are rarely older than 29, which is like often true of The Bachelor too, but no one on this show really is like, I'm going to get married. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, and the and the creators of the show are not going into it saying we want a wedding out of this, we want babies, though both of those things have happened. Um, they're not, they're also not saying like, Which also happens is, like, if you don't end up with your perfect match and you end up dating someone else from the franchise, which happens all the time now, and we see that on The Bachelor too, these, like, little universes have been created, um, that that's, like, a failure either. And I think that's something that The Bachelor universe has been sort of slow to pick up on because the entire conceit of their show is based on this, like, classic heteronormative, like, idea of what a relationship structure is. This show is, like, very messy but, like, leans into that, which is one of the reasons I found it, like, particularly refreshing. So
1: It's so interesting just that, like, they lean so heavily on the perfect match, like, technology to the point that, like, as you mentioned, people will get shamed for still trying to be involved with someone on the show who's been proven not to be their match because it's not – It's, like, selfish and it's, like, blinkered and they should be finding their real perfect match who's, like, perfect for them. But it also doesn't seem to really buy into it that much ultimately. Like, once they're all matched up, they're like, well, great job, everyone. Like, we don't expect this to go anywhere.
2: Yeah. It's very much, like, I think what I find interesting about the money aspect of it is it creates a mechanism for everyone to have to work as a group. So it's like they're competing but not really against each other. Mm. And so when they get in their own ways or when they get in each other's way, that is, like, not a sustainable system. Whereas, like, if you have a classic dating show is a bunch of people going for one person, then all the competition comes from people who are actually competing with one another because there can only be one winner, right? Mm. Um, so there's sort of a much more – there's, like, this undercurrent of, of – um, we're all in this together a little bit, which I think is kind of sweet. Accidentally, yeah, yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, the perfect match stuff seems to function more as like a plot device than the in actual kind of overarching ideology. Right. That, like it's
1: an artificial boundary right. that they've created to force people to to try dating someone yeah. other than their initial yes right right rather than like bringing in a new person and then it's like a musical chairs thing like something like love island or Or bachelor in paradise their mechanism is the perfect match yeah and the
2: premise is very much i mean they're obviously secretive about how they match people but from what i can tell like they do psychological testing they do iq tests they interview your family and friends they have experts who help them like i don't they're obviously working from a pool of people who might already have a lot in common and that they're like young, diverse, very hot, and all want to be on <laughs> well, a reality be show. Hot. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I will say that from that, uh, I got the sense that there really is like an, an, you know, they want people to be entertaining, but they also don't want to just put people together that don't make any sense. Um, and you see that in that, like a bunch of the people I talk to, or like, you know, even. Like I understand why this person was matched with me. Some people were like um, – you know, I understand it because because of X, Y, Z sort of surface level reasons even though I would never be with them in real life. And then some people um, were like, you know, I feel like I know why we were matched but also we just work really hard at our relationship. And I think that is sort of like the key there, right, is – To me, in reporting it and and looking at it, it sort of started to feel to me like just another way people meet each other. It sounds like crazy to say that because it's like a reality show. But at this point, like these shows have become ecosystems of their own. And it's not dissimilar to meeting someone on a dating app like, you know, those match percentages are relatively arbitrary as well. Um, This is just like doing it for entertainment value, not for like personal gain.
0: Yeah, and I actually think that The the Bachelor has something similar going Definitely. on. And I think that's why we often talk about when we talk about like the success rate of The Bachelor, which there's always a lot of focus on. It's like it's just another way to meet someone. So, yeah, you might meet someone on a yeah. TV show and date that person for a few years or a few months or you might get married to them. But like at the end of the day, we live in this kind of wild dating ecosystem anyway. We were we're all kind of grasping at people in various <laughs> I don't know, through various uh It would almost be weird if no paths. one from the show
1: had ever gotten married. Like you have all those seasons. Of the Bachelor and yeah. of Are You the One, where all these people are meeting and are they're all equally hot
0: and like <laughs> single mostly, and also like anything that just <laughs> eventually brings, someone's going to get married. Communities of people together and like, like formed anything that creates a, commu- a new community essentially. Yeah, um, why wouldn't you? kind of consider that a, a pool for future dating prospects, even if it's not within the structure of whatever show you've
2: kind of come off of. Yeah. And you also have this shared experience that, like, a right. very limited pool
1: of people <laughs> will understand. <laughs> no I mean, one else will
2: ever it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's bigger than it used to be in that at least someone who has been on another reality show can, like—you know, when you interview these people, they all—all all the stories sort of start to sound the same, like— you know, they cut you out from the outside world. You don't talk to your parents. You don't, you know, get to have pens and paper. You don't like they all use kind of the same mechanisms. I think the difference is like what is the intent with those mechanisms? Like right. My sense, and I'm sure there are exceptions to this, um, but is that there are different producing styles on the show. So like we know in The Bachelor, especially in early seasons, they were pretty heavy handed producers and. Um, from talking to a couple of the producers on Are You the One, they seem to favor like a lighter touch. So Mm -hmm. they sort of throw people in there and like let them do what they're going to do. They're not trying to um, necessarily paint people in like villain roles or, you know, golden child roles because there are so many people they don't really need to do that. Like everyone can be kind of a wide range of personality types and be kind of messy um, because they're not beholden to this very specific structure that The Bachelor has set up, you know, since 2002.
1: Yeah. So on the scale of, like, totally scripted to, like, they just installed some cameras, they're closer to the, like, just installed some cameras
2: point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, like, I wasn't in the house, and, you know, they've had hundreds of people on the show now, so I don't want to speak for anyone for whom I'm sure there are plenty of people who were like, I hated it. (laughs) It was bad. Um, But it seems like they do kind of just let people go mm-hmm. um which you know and then what happens next is how do you take all that footage and make it a compelling narrative um these I mean I don't want to call them kids because they're in their 20s but they're you know they're like kind of wilding out and like they yeah. seem to give them enough without having to be like you know you should go talk to so-and-so and like did you hear that so-and-so said <laughs> this like it, I didn't get the sense that they do a lot of that or if yeah. any of that
1: it seems like the main thing that they do is just, like, things are getting a little quiet. Let's throw a big party for them, and then everyone gets drunk, and there's <laughs> yeah.
2: trauma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, they also, like, yeah, there's a lot of alcohol, as all these shows have. Um, they stay up very late, mm-hmm. so they're probably sleep-deprived and exhausted. Um, you know, it's it's a heightened scenario, and many would argue, and I wouldn't disagree, it's not necessarily healthy – <laughs> but I well, but I also sort of like think a lot of regular dating is not very healthy either, so I'm sort of loath to say that it is that dissimilar from real life, I guess. Like at the end of writing and thinking about this for a long time, I don't know if I just like drank too much of the Kool-Aid, but it really did. I really started to see more of the similarities and the differences. We're going to take a quick
0: break, but when we get back, we'll hear a lot more from Kate about Are You The One?
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
0: Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and, like, take action is therapy. I completely
1: agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively.
0: Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down.
1: If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try.
0: It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire
1: to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge.
0: Get it off your chest with BetterHelp.
1: Visit betterhelp.com love to see it today to get
0: 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola.
1: Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect.
0: Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up and it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily, I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian. Are You the One is such a compelling watch. Um, why do you think it's been around for eight seasons, but it hasn't really broken through as, you know, a water cooler show? Like, do you think it's where it lives? Do you think it's the structure? Do you think it's it's the messaging behind it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of things. Like I said, um, you know, The Bachelor has really taken over the ecosystem. And I'm not sure, you know, other shows are popular and broken through, like Love Island, obviously, Lately, or Dating Naked, or Naked and Afraid, or all those. Um, But I wouldn't call many of those, you know, like, steadfast water cooler shows either. Um, You know, it's not on a national network. It's on MTV, so it's a cable network. And it's also specifically targeted to a very small demo. So, like, I don't think a 65-year-old would love watching the one, but I don't think they're (laughs) supposed to. Like, it's not for them. And I think that's what MTV has always done well as they know what their demographic is and they know what they'll want. And so when you see with this new season, which is the first to feature an entirely sexually fluid cast, which means that anyone could date anyone instead of just like men being with women and vice versa, that from my reporting, that came very organically from the kinds of people they were looking at casting and they kept hearing from people, you know, when I date men. Um, I'm interested in this. But when I date women, I'm interested in this. And they were like, "Okay, if this is the pool of people we're getting and this is what our demographic is reflecting, then this is what we should be showing in the show, which is like, again, you know, not to harp on The Bachelor, but obviously we're on a Bachelor podcast, so I think I can. Um, You know, that's a show that has been resistant to changing its formula. And when they when they do (laughs) when they do a twist, it's sort of like minor at best. Um, And I think this is like a pretty it's a pretty big one. Um, and from watching the first um, couple episodes, I it didn't feel a ton like a lot I've seen on TV before.
1: Yeah. I mean, it seems like it would make it a lot more complicated, like a lot more opportunities for relationships to get shaken up. Like, did yeah. it did it make the show feel even more just like a lot's going on or were you able to pretty easily get a sense of like... Which so, relationships.
2: Yeah. So, so there are fewer people this season. So okay. there are only sixteen instead of twenty-two. Um, which I think they did because it would have I don't I don't want to say it would have been impossible to figure out, but it would have been probably pretty hard. <laughs> um so I assume behind the scenes they like crunch the numbers and we're like, okay, this is like a fair <laughs> shot. <laughs> <laughs> Based on the factorial. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean I think that the thing I'll say about the new season is that um, there's definitely like a different energy when you have a cast of people who are all um, queer, non-binary, you know, however they'd like to identify themselves in that they have a, they have a specific shared experience, right? Like they're um, used to being othered in a world that is not particularly accepting of them. Um, and so that definitely brought an energy to it that, you know, a previous cast of like only heterosexual people or, or seemingly only heterosexual identifying people um, probably wouldn't have and hasn't have. There have definitely – and one of the contestants on this season I talked to spoke about this is there have been some seasons of Are You the One where there are some dudes who are like have a real misogynistic bent oh, to yeah. that. Um, and the, the cool thing is that they're often called out on it and it's not particularly shown in a good light. But it's interesting because then
1: some of the women still have to end up with them, which mm-hmm. is so different from something like The Bachelorette. You right can just, just, like, toss the misogynist. Yeah. All the women are like, I guess one of us is yeah. his perfect Sacrificial
2: yeah. lamb. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that uh, energy is not in this season, I would say, or at yeah. least what I've seen.
1: That's interesting. Like, we have seen dating shows that were sort of designed for uh, or around, like— queer, non, non-straight, non-heteronormative couples, and we've seen shows that mostly, entirely feature hetero couples. But I don't think we've ever really seen before a show that started as one really just evolve. Yeah. And to incorporate the other yeah. in that way. Like, that's
2: really it's unusual. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah. And I think they're very from talking to people behind the scenes, they're really excited about about doing it, and they feel like it's boundary pushing, and Um, at least on U.S. television, it definitely is. The U.K. has always had, like, they have innovated reality in ways that I feel (laughs) like we are often not ready for. No, when I watch Love Island, I'm like, I... I'm overwhelmed I can't by Love Island. It. Like I love it, but it's so—it's just so much. It's also just literally a lot of hours. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's just yeah. almost too much I'd, content. And for I watch me. a lot of TV, and that is too much for yeah. me to take. it. It's oh, like yeah. varsity I say this level. As someone who like
0: does a lot of binge watching of
1: trash. So like. <laughs> yeah. Well, I binge watched like ten episodes of it, and then I was like, I don't even think I'm halfway through the season. <laughs> exactly. What's yeah. going you, on? Need, you need to feel like you're making progress in the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like it, it does. Like I watch Love Island, and i'm like i don't feel like even i have trained hard <laughs> enough yet to really the brits embody just have this something on yeah. yeah definitely um i mean when you think about like are you the one and the pantheon of kind of dating shows out there is there anything else that you think it's really akin to like it's obviously pretty different from the bachelor but are there any other shows that you think are doing something similar
2: I don't know. I mean, part of the reason I wanted to write about it was because it did feel so different to me. Um, You know, it has it also has this thing where I don't know if you guys have done this when you've watched back episodes, but it's like, you know, you can look at who everyone ends up with. And so watching has like a totally different experience because, you know, you know, like Katie is supposed to be with Polly, but Polly's dating Molly or whatever. (laughs) And like, you know, you can see all that foreshadowing and it makes for like a really fascinating viewing experience. Um, I think we've talked about on here um, that like I always read the spoilers for The Bachelor because I it's something like I really enjoy. It helps me like figure out the mechanisms of how they're editing the show. And that like for me is enjoyable. Um, This I've found is like it's not really about the editing as much as, like, it's really fascinating to watch people sort of, like, stumble their way to an answer. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's – I think one of my favorite things about it is the way that they're all forced to just stay around each other after their relationships have failed. Yeah. Um, which is something that obviously most people avoid doing in real life. You don't see it on The Bachelor because they just leave. Um And it's really just a uniquely heartbreaking and uncomfortable thing to watch,
2: but also just a rare opportunity. And also it's like in that way they're like – I mean everything just speeds up, right? Like time – you know, they film for like six weeks or something. Mm -hmm. And time just really like goes very quickly. So. It does lend one to wonder, like, okay, if you were, like, stuck in a house with your ex-boyfriend for, like, three weeks, like, maybe you would just get over him (laughs) (laughs) faster because he was, like, you had to. Like, you had to go find someone else. They were right there.
1: But it's also, like, you – be like, it's – and we do see this on Bachelor in Paradise, couples being, like – We're basically the mom and dad of the house, and we've been dating for two weeks. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) totally. And you get that on Are You the One, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, something that is funny about the show as well is, like, when someone's a confirmed perfect match and they find that out from the truth booth, that couple is, like, sent to the quote-unquote honeymoon suite. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they don't spend time in the house. They only come back for matchup ceremonies and— but you often get the sense that they feel really left out, that they're yeah. like everyone yeah. else is there. And it presented this idealized thing, like you're so lucky you found your person. But like if it's only you two and no one else is matched, you're just spending all they're your time isolated. with the stranger in <laughs> yeah. like a hotel room. And, and like,
1: sometimes they like didn't even really think they were a perfect match,
2: but the rest totally, of the house voted on totally. it. Yeah. And like, yeah, they're in Hawaii, which is cool. <laughs> but, you know, I can't I never got the sense that from watching the seasons where that happened that any of them were like you know, so happy to not be there. Like they seem, they come back in the matchups and they're like, what's going on? You know, tell us everything.
1: It is an interesting, like the the structure of it is like you're, basically kicked off the island not for failing or for being romantically undesirable but for succeeding too mm-hmm. much and finding love
0: and then you're no longer right. Perhaps perhaps that's the great equalizer yeah. like in real life you know we we live in a society so structured around couples there's something sort of um but the gratifying. show is also structured, it around is structured i know <laughs> well it sort of plays both sides in yeah. kind of all of these ways which is what's so interesting like you have this undercurrent of like you have there is a perfect match kind of the idea of soulmates but then it also throws it aside and only really uses that
1: to create tension yeah Yeah.
0: um when
1: when you talked to the people who had appeared on the show did you get the sense that they went on thinking of it as a dating experience or like a chance to find love or was it were they thinking of selling things on instagram afterwards were they just like this will be like Fun, yeah. vacation.
2: Yeah, so it's obviously changed a lot since season one. Um, I talked to several people from senior season one, and they all had, like, no idea what the show was going to be. Like, they didn't know what the premise was. When they got called up, it was just, like, an anonymous dating show for MTV. They get into the house. They don't really know what the rules are. Um, that is a very different situation than now, obviously. Like, um, I talked to two people from this new season, and one of them had watched, like, every season before and was, like, a huge fan, and one of them had never heard of the show and was cast on Instagram. Um, So, you know, I think—and one of the creators of the show, um, Jeff Spangler, who works at Lighthearted Productions, which is the company that produces the show, um, told me that, like, as you'd suspect, it's harder to cast people now because— there is this understanding that you could, you know, go on the show and just like make a killing off of sponsored content, which a lot of the contestants have done. I would say like on The Bachelor seasons, I mean, I guess there are more people per season too, right? And there have been more Mm -hmm. of them. Um, I think you kind of only start to see like a a handful of people really do that successfully out of each season. Um, And are you the one, it seems like all of them are doing it, if not all (laughs) of them, like a lot of them are um and i don't know that that means anything it's just something that i've noticed um a couple of the people from season 1 that i talked to did seem to think that like the newer seasons are quote unquote less genuine in mm-hmm. that the people on it you know must have ulterior motives i don't know i mean i think like i sort of wonder like what is an ulterior motive when it comes to this like you all wanted the same thing at the end of the day right like you wanted to go on this show your reasoning behind it is sort of like like the here for the right reasons thing is sort of like a bachelor trope that gets made fun of but um, it does bring up this concept of like even if you went on it just to have an experience like those people still end up dating people on the show and like falling in love it's like you don't really know where you're going to meet someone anyway
1: yeah
0: yeah Um, Yeah, I think there's something that feels satisfying to people, especially who were on these shows at a time when that that kind of social media influencer ecosystem didn't exist to almost idealize and be like, well, back in my day, we were there for love. It was pure. But in reality, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Everyone who goes on a reality TV show is kind of like, who knows what the fuck will happen? And also, I guess I just going on TV could be cool and fun. The whole like the way they frame this on The
1: Bachelor is very similar in a lot of ways to Are You The One, which is like, why would all these incredibly hot singles want to go on TV to date? And they're all like, because nothing else is working. (laughs) And it's like, I don't really believe that. Like, there are other ways you could fix your dating life. So obviously that's just a lie. The thing that's happening is that you're like, I'm single. I might as well.
0: Go on TV. Go on TV
1: and be single rather <laughs> than go on more blind dates or like go to therapy and figure out why I keep picking the wrong men, which is a big narrative on Are You the One? Sometimes. Totally. Like, I always pick the wrong people. I need to be like fixed. And
0: I'm like, Yes, this dating show is going to fix
2: you <laughs> well, in a the way that therapy never could. That You can
0: just go to therapy after the dating show and then work out multiple issues. That, yeah, yeah. That have <laughs> that's happened true
1: to you. How many couples have ended up together through the show?
2: Um, so a lot of them have ended up together. Have they stayed together? Is another question. Um, so there's one uh married couple who has two babies, Ethan and Amber from oh. season one. I talked to them. They live in Austin, they're very happy. Um and then I think as of press time, there are like four um or five couples that are from uh either the same season or different seasons, none of them perfect matches that are dating um there have been many 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 more like at one point i was like i want to try to make a web and then i was like this is <laughs> <laughs> i have to write this piece i don't really have time to make a web but i kind of want to just for my own it's like the l word like yeah totally 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 <laughs> just get
1: some red yeah. string and like touch <laughs> yeah. pens on your wall
2: um, and you know there are also feeder there was one as se- one season spinoff are you the one second chances and then there's x on the beach which is a um us version of a U.K. show. And a lot of Are You the One people also go on X on the beach, um, which is also and a really some fun Bachelor show. people, yeah, yeah. And some Bachelor
1: people. Bachelor
2: Vanderpump Rules, The Challenge—that show is like a real feeder and also very fun in a kind of a different way than Are You the One. Um, that is like even more aware, I think, of its uh, lack of reality. Maybe like everyone on it is like I'm a reality star and this is like <laughs> my job. Like I'm an actor, and I think that is sort of uh, refreshing in a way as well. Conceptually,
0: it's refreshing. I think watching
2: it, I find it less enjoyable. X on the beach, yeah, yeah. It's a little less. I mean, also like season one, I thought was really nuts and funny. I mean, for those who haven't watched X on the beach, the premise is like uh, a handful of reality stars, you know, go to live in a house, same as Are You the One, and then they throw, continually keep throwing their exes into the house to like mess things up. Um, and then they have these, like, nonsensical, again, like, kind of rose ceremonies at the end where they have to, like, vote people in and out. The the But the, th- the funny thing about that show is they have, like, a very tongue-in-cheek narrator and they do these very funny graphics where they'll do the, like, you know, X, Y, Z dated, you know, K and then K dated it. It's like they're they're very aware of what it is, which, again, I, I really like. Um, you know, there is a tenor of, like, we're here for the paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> does. Which, like—
0: great like, get it
1: yeah. no one like signs up to go like have their exes barge in right. on them right while they're
0: dating. <laughs> just for they're like, fun no i just think that this would be a <laughs> really, really edifying good way to... experience yes. Yes. work through some of my <laughs> yeah. issues
2: yeah i also think season two i didn't like as much because fair abraham was on it and she was like very 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 obviously just there for the money
1: and chad right from the chad was chad. there. chad oh, was weirdly
2: she... fine it was I just, I just don't, don't want I felt very
1: uncomfortable watch watching him Chad. being treated as a normal Totally, totally. Today.
2: I think just like compared to Farah, yeah. he seemed fine, which was weird. Um, yeah, season one, I kind of like more than season two, but also season two had like several gay couples, which was really nice. Yeah. And they were yeah. just kind of treated like the fabric of the house, which, you know, again, refreshing and nice to see. Yeah.
1: Um, what about Second Chances? I've never watched Are You the One Second Chances.
2: They only did one season. I didn't get the sense it's something that's going to come back. It is kind of like um, a Bachelor Pad, the again, like canceled Bachelor Pad, which is like uh, they basically take contestants from perfect matches from previous seasons of Are You the One and make them do sort of like a Survivor style uh, or like oh, Amazing Race kind mm, of thing. Right. Um, I think there is a reason they didn't pick it up again. It's not bad. It's just, like, it doesn't have the same energy.
1: Yeah. When you were reporting on on this, what's the thing that, like, surprised you the most?
2: I think, like, what surprised me is I had a general idea of the way I thought the show worked. And I was pretty ready to have that, like, just blown out of, like, out of my head. Um, you know, that— They did have maybe the slightly lighter producing touch that, um, you know, they did really think super purposely about having this like diverse cast. And, um, you know, all of my talking to uh, people behind the scenes were like they're really thoughtful. They really like working on the show and they really want it to be fun and funny and like have that humor angle that I think – you know, something I kept thinking about was like a lot of the humor from The Bachelor comes from like laughing at people, mm-hmm. and this show feels more like someone is probably laughing at themselves when they're watching it too. Like, like they know that it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I, I always
1: think about this one challenge that they have them do because they they set up these weird weird challenges mm-hmm. to decide who's going to get to go on the out of the house dates. Yeah. Um, and often they're sort of like ludicrous and complicated and I can't even explain the rules. But one of them I remember involved two people on the side on both sides of like a 3D puzzle with like the puzzle was cut out in the board mm-hmm. and they had to thread a hot dog through oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> they each had to hold on to the hot dog from each end with their teeth and then they had to work together to get the hot dog <laughs> intact through the puzzle. And I was like, someone had a lot of fun coming Oh, totally, yeah, <laughs> totally,
2: totally, totally. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, and then there were just small things that are just always fascinating to hear about the way this stuff is made. You know, they film for, like, 20 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, you know, the producers have to work in shifts so that, you know, because you can't work that long. Um the, the cast is, like, not supposed to talk to the crew. Like, they tell them just to, like, pretend they're just cameras. Like, they don't want them, like, developing relationships with the people that are there to document them, which I thought was, like, pretty smart and yeah. interesting.
1: Has that ever happened? Like, it has on The Bachelor? Or not that I know yeah. of, but,
2: again, doesn't mean, <laughs> doesn't <laughs> right. mean anything. Um, yeah. So just, like, little things like that. I mean, I think it probably depends also on what you think is interesting. Like, I always find those, like, making of things to be um pretty fascinating and just like you know one of the producers i spoke to um who was a story producer for a long time which basically means she like figures out what they're going to put on television from all this footage um and essentially said like i you know i was like there's so many competing narratives like how do you even track what to cut and she's like well we basically have to work backwards so we work from every matchup ceremony and then we say okay how did we get to this point which I thought That's was like interesting. very interesting because, and makes and makes a lot of sense yeah. when you think about it, right? Because how can you start at the beginning and then it's like everyone's zigzagging all over the place yeah. and be like, and we ended up here? Yeah, I would
1: totally want to start at the beginning, but that is not efficient.
2: Yeah, and they just you know they take like copious copious notes along the way to to just kind of track. Okay, this is what's happening now, and um, this is how we make any of this make any sense, and. Right. They'll say, like, you know, we cut one thing and then nothing else makes sense. And so we have to add it back in. Like, oh, no, it's not at all dissimilar to editing anything else. It just sounds like, um, you know, you didn't craft the narrative. It was kind of crafted for you. Right. So it's a little less tangible. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I feel like I always forget kind of how many different like we focus so much on field producers on these shows, you know, because of things like Unreal. But there Mm -hmm. are story producers there are editors there are all of these people who have like a different who play a different role in the crafting and actual creation of this narrative totally not just like one person being like and now we will focus on this
2: yeah yeah and i also think it's like this is a show that has had like the bachelor i think a lot of these people work on a lot of seasons so their showrunner was the same for a long time their you know eps have been the same the creators um have been the same Uh, They're direct they've had the same director for I believe all the seasons Um, and I think that probably lends itself to a consistency as well even if you have some other people sort of like bopping in and out
0: yeah so before we wrap up just what is your elevator pitch (laughs) for are you the one to bachelor fans who haven't yet watched
2: well it's very funny that you ask this because when I spoke to Terrence J who's the current host of the show he told me that he like doesn't have one because it's so complicated. <laughs> he was like I don't know how to like explain this to anyone like in a succinct way. So then
0: why just um, why should people right. watch it?
2: Um it's just really fun. Yeah that's what I would say. I um think that's good. it's like a it's like a breath of fresh air kind <laughs> of. Uh yeah, it really feels like even if it has all the parts of all these shows you've watched before, it's like kind of nothing I've ever seen before, which is like incredible to me. I I did this whole piece and I'm still not even sure how they do it. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, it's definitely fun and for a lot of our listeners, I think the bachelors sort of heteronormativity and like whiteness is of concern. So it sounds like this upcoming season, this current season in particular, might be really appealing.
2: Yeah, and like all the casts are extremely diverse Mm -hmm. racially and people come from all over the country and, you know, they actually talk about politics and what they believe and where they're from and what their family life is like. Like you actually kind of get to know them, even though there's more people in the house, arguably for most of the time.
1: Yeah, I remember Trump becoming like mm-hmm. a relationship wedge. Yeah, in the past season. Yeah, Which,
2: what's more realistic than I that? Know. I know, <laughs> <laughs> so I know. It's like when you think about how Rachel Lindsay season, um, you know, she had like her overnight with Nick vial I think like the day of the election or something, and they like didn't even talk about it, and it never comes on, up on the show right, on Nick's season. Yeah, yeah, it never comes up on the show, and it's like that is insane to me and then like this show like you know there's a zillion things going on and it's still like you voted for Trump like what
1: (laughs) (laughs) the real stuff yeah yeah I mean I think we've talked before about how the simplicity of The Bachelor is so appealing and makes it so durable but if you like a little more like chaos and fun mm-hmm. and, like, randomness in your shows, sometimes I do find it really refreshing. And, like, are you the One is so good at it. And I wish more people watched it so yeah, we could all talk same. about it more.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I have converted – So many people already. And it has not been hard. I've just been like, you should watch this. And they'll be like, oh, my God, I watched it.
1: (laughs) Just like try it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, we look forward to many conversions coming from this podcast. Thank you so much for coming in and talking to us. Thanks for
1: having me again, guys. Yeah, come back anytime. Anytime.
0: And that's it for this bonus episode of Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our guest, Kate Drees. Make sure to check out her great piece on Are You the One on Vice. And of course, thanks to our producers, Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson.
1: Please subscribe to Here to Make Friends wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of these bonuses or any of Hannah's season recaps. And give us a five star rating and review. It helps other people discover our show.
0: You can also give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod. And you
1: can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week.